Hi, I'm Elena Becker, and this is PS, the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking with members of our community about their Puget Sound experiences. Today, we're recording from Moonyard Studio in Tacoma, Washington, and our guest is Adriana Flores, the archivist and special collections librarian and an alum in the class of 2013. Adriana, thanks for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to have you. And part of the reason is that you're um, sort of a twofer for me because you're both a Puget Sound alum and now a staff member at the university. Yes. Couldn't keep me away. Had to come back. (laughs) As is the case with me, I'm also an alum and a staff member. So I uh, understand very well the allure of alma mater. There's a lot of us. There There are, are actually. People feel passionately about it and like it and feel like I don't know if it was the case for you it was the case for me that's my community and I would like to go back and contribute totally yeah and I felt really supported when I came back in my staff position because I reached out to other alums who had graduated around the same time as me and said hey will you help me with the interview process or will you look through my presentation and everyone was so supportive and when I came back and would tell people that I was an alum maybe staff members that I hadn't met before or faculty members They would be like, welcome home, welcome back. They were so excited, and it was felt like this great club to be a part of, to be an alum that came back as a staff member. Yeah, very much so. And how did you get here the first time? Where are you from pre-Puget Sound? Yeah, I am from Cedar Woolley, Washington, which is about two hours north of Tacoma. And People may know it from the Tulip Festivals, right? That's right around there. Yep, we're part of Skagit County, so very proud of our agricultural background Mm -hmm. and the tulips. So, so yeah, I wasn't very far off. Um, I was looking at small private liberal arts colleges in the Pacific Northwest. And so obviously Puget Sound was really high on my list. Sure. And I also am a United Methodist and the university has loose ties with the Methodist church. And um, so that was another way that I'd kind of heard about the campus. Sure. Just coming up in your community and conversations and... And one of the themes that's come up for us a lot already on the podcast, I think mostly with current students, but just in general, is that people are surprised by the things that happened to them in college. Mm. And not in a bad way, but I had these loose expectations of what my life would be like. And then I discovered an academic department I didn't know anything about. I joined a club by accident. And those things turned out to be really meaningful to me. Did that happen to you? Well, we talked a little earlier about the fact that I am a librarian and I am a planner. So I will say that did not happen maybe as much as some others. You knew you were interested in library science. I did, yeah. Yeah. So when I – so I got to Puget Sound. I pretty much knew I was going to be an English major, and I was. I really loved the department after my first class. So a lot of things – What was your first class? Hmm. What was my first English class? Well, so one of my first year uh, seminars was with the professor Mita Mahato, who recently mm-hmm. left the university. But she, it was all about. Um, actually, I don't really remember the specifics of the sure. class, but it was an English class, and it was my advising group. Right. So I had really close ties with all the people in the class. We'd gone through orientation together, and Mita was a wonderful faculty member. And I remember looking her up before I came to campus, and she had done a critical essay on Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and that sold it for me. I was like, I have to have a class with this professor. And we met and totally clicked all of our academic interests. We're really in line with one another. And she was my advisor, my 
my first semester and continued to be my advisor all four years. So I had a really quick bond with her. And yeah, I had heard about librarianship as a senior in high school. Sure. And did you, because I think a lot of people that think about librarians as a profession think about like public library librarians Mm -hmm. and sort of associate it with the libraries of their childhood and think like summer reading programs, et cetera. Is that what you thought of when you thought about it or had somebody introduced you to sort of the world of research librarians? So I took one of those college quizzes on college boards. So when you're signing up for the SAT, me and one of my friends took a a career quiz and one of the career results was librarian. And mm-hmm. we thought it was hilarious. We were like, <laughs> who becomes a librarian? How dorky is that? Uh, but the more I thought about it, I wasn't sure what I wanted my you know career path to be at that point. And the more I thought about it, I was like, well, what do librarians do? They organize things. They help people. <laughs> they probably get to read a lot of cool books. So the more I just kind of sat with the idea, the more generally librarianship sounded interesting. And I definitely was thinking more of in the public librarianship realm. Right. But when I got to Puget Sound, I learned about all the different types of librarianship that there are. And so my first year on campus, I had a work-study job in a different department. But Jane Carlin, the library director, found out that I was interested in librarianship. And she brought me in for a meeting. So right, I'm a freshman. She brings me in right. for a meeting all about librarianship and just talking about oh. options. And she had, like, library swag for me. It was all very oh. sweet. And... She told me, she's like, if you're really interested in this career path, then we can get you a job in the library. Wow. And I was like, awesome. That's amazing. And she told me, she was like, I'm not going to give you just any old librarian job. <laughs> I am going to put you in the archives. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> I have no clue. I've never heard of an archive before. And yeah, so the next year, my work-study job was in the archives in the library. And for those who don't know what archives are, um, archives collect and preserve, at least for Puget Sound, we collect and preserve the history of the University of Puget Sound. But we also collect rare books, documents, photographs, letters, diaries and journals, all sorts of other types of physical objects that tell individual stories, stories of companies in our region, uh, yeah, stories of people who've lived in the Tacoma area or Washington, and far beyond that as well. And we collect those items to help support the curriculum and to help support faculty members who are teaching interesting classes. So um, we collect both university history and other really awesome, what we call primary sources. And we help support teaching and learning on campus. So when I was first in the archives, we looked at a lot of old school yearbooks. We looked at old newspapers and just kind of got going. And being an archivist is like being a detective. You kind of (laughs) dig into history and you help other people. So we have lots of students who come in to do research. We have faculty members, community members, alums come in and they'll have a research question about you know, what was the athletics program like in the 1940s? Or, um, you know, who was the first faculty member of color? Or, um, you know, the sky's the limit. People investigate all types of aspects of our history and um, other types of history that that we hold in in our area. So, yeah, that's just one aspect of librarianship, though. And when I went to grad school, there's so many others. And I was intrigued by all of them. But, yeah, you could be a a school librarian. You could work at a public library. In our library, we have reference librarians mm-hmm. that are subject specific. So when students have questions about 
their science paper, they can go to the science librarian who has all of the specialized knowledge uh, to help them prepare for, for their assignments. And when you graduated from Puget Sound, you knew you wanted to go do your master's in library science. Yes. You were I certain was, about that. I was pretty darn sure. And senior year is a busy year. So I decided not to apply to grad school that year. Yeah. I took a year off. And that was great because I had time to do some internships. Mm-hmm. So I was an intern at the Port of Tacoma. In, cool. Uh, nearby on camp near campus and that was a great experience I also interned at a place called Densho which is the Japanese American Legacy Project and their uh, nonprofit arc digital archive in Seattle yeah. so I got to intern there so my year off was great I got to have some different types of work experiences I got to spend some time with my family mm-hmm. I have a sister that's 10 years younger than me so I got to go home and just yeah. spend some time with them And yeah, during that year off, I applied to grad school. So I was applying all over the country, and I ended up picking Simmons College, which is in Boston, Massachusetts. Which is pretty far away from Cedro Woolley or Tacoma, Washington. Oh, yeah. Yes. This I saw as my adventure. You know, I stayed pretty close to home for undergrad, so I thought for grad school, I really wanted to make a big change. And Boston just seemed so attractive and so exciting. Yeah. So I was really... uh, yeah, I was really grateful for the opportunity to move out there and to, to go to school. And what better place to learn about libraries and history than Boston itself, right? Right. And did you know at that time that you wanted to do archives because you'd had these experiences? Or did you think, I know I'm interested in libraries. I know I like this work. I'm still sort of poking around. Yeah. So I wanted to leave the doors open a little mm-hmm. bit. So I applied specifically to Simmons College because they had a really great speci- specialization in archives. So I went and I did apply to their special concentration in archives, but I kind of went in it saying easier to sign up for it and drop it and yeah. just do a general degree sure. as opposed to joining in later. And they did have strong areas. They have a really strong children's librarian program mm-hmm. and um, and other tracks. So, so yeah, I was pretty sure, but I wanted to leave the door open to, to explore a little bit. And did you have a moment that clinched it for you? Oh, yeah. In my <laughs> intro to archival science class, yeah. uh, it was that very first semester, I was in that room and we were all introducing ourselves, you know, saying where we came from and uh, why we were in that class, why we wanted to learn more about archives. And hearing everyone else's responses, I was like, ugh, these are my people. Like, I found them. <laughs> and yeah, from there on, it was it was really wonderful. And that was my favorite part of grad school was getting to meet other archivists and other people who would be my peers right. like in the profession. So uh, so I really enjoyed that experience, and they they totally are my people. So, <laughs> And what did you do immediately after finishing your graduate degree? Yeah, so if anyone's interested in grad school, I definitely recommend looking at any fellowships, internships, special programs you can join, because when I headed out to Boston, I definitely needed financial support. Mm-hmm. And so Boston I Boston applied... is expensive. Grad school is expensive. Boston is expensive. Yes, it's all expensive. So <laughs> I applied to this really wonderful program within my profession that um, that supports students and students of color. And I went through it and had this really wonderful cohort. And part of that internship experience or part of that fellowship experience was that I got a paid internship. And my paid internship was at Boston University's Howard Gottlieb Archival Research Center. So I had a paid job there my whole first year of grad school. 
And it was a two-year program, so I was about to start into my second year, and the Boston University Archives had an opening, a job opening. And I didn't technically have my master's degree yet, but because I'd worked really hard and I'd gotten to know a lot of the people in the office, they offered me a full-time position at BU. So during my second year of grad school, I was doing school, a little less than full-time, and full-time work. So it was really intense, but... It was wonderful. It was a great opportunity to be learning on the job right. at the same time as getting my my master's degree. So I worked there during my last year, and I, I took a summer or two to, to finish up my master's degree. And then I stayed in Boston for another year. So I was in Boston for three years total, and I worked at Boston University full-time for two years. And in that job, what kind of stuff are you actually doing? What is a day in the life of an archivist like? Yeah, so that at Boston University, we were a big office. So there were um, probably six to eight archivists, and then I think about five administrative assistants or, you know, people in other administrative roles. Sure. And me and my coworker were the main student supervisors. So I was the assistant archivist for acquisitions. So okay. we worked a lot with donors. Sure. So we had lots of donors. They were either alums or Boston University collected a lot of materials from famous movie stars, sure. um, newscasters. We had Dan Rather's collection. We had Leonard Nimoy's collection. We had Robin Williams' materials. So um, we would work with those donors or you know, their assistants or family members in sending the items to the archives. Right. So they'd say, what do you want? You know, what out of this person's <laughs> life is important enough to be in an archive? And usually the answer is a lot of stuff, yeah. you know. Um, but sometimes people would send us receipts and, you know, food. And we're like, no, we can't, we can't right. store these right. things. Um, they will attract bugs, which are not our friends. So, um, so yeah, I would work to get the material sent to Boston University. And then we had a staff of like 12 to 15 students, so undergraduate students who worked in our archives, and they would work to organize the materials. So once a shipment of items comes in, we organize them usually into different subjects. So all of the letters usually stay together, and we'd organize them chronologically, all the diaries and journals, all the photographs, and then we would create inventories of them. So us and our students would work to list everything out, and we'd create these kind of catalogs or uh, indexes to the collections. And I also worked with researchers. So Boston University had lots of people who would come in and write biographies about famous, of course, you know, actors or um, students working on school papers. So another part of my job was facilitating that research proce process. So student comes in, I show them the inventory, I tell them kind of how the system works, how they can request different boxes and folders to look at, and then I bring the items out for them and we talk about citations, um, if they want scans of materials, uh, how to use the items in a project or a paper. So it really was a great learning experience because I did all types of, yeah. um, of roles within the normal archivist kind of career. So, yeah, and it prepared me a lot for coming back to Puget Sound because at Boston University, I was one of many archivists. And at Puget Sound, I am the only full-time archivist. I was going to say that's a big change from being part of a team to being the show yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, I have one part-time archivist who is amazing, and we usually have four student employees. So it's a much smaller office than I'm used to, but it's great because at Boston University, all the archivists were kind of siloed mm -hmm. in one part of the library, and we didn't collaborate a lot with a, with our colleagues. But at Puget Sound, it's totally different. I work really closely with 
most of the library staff. And I collaborate a lot with the other liaison librarians who are the subject-specific librarians. So it's great. Although I'm the only full-time archivist, I lean on my other colleagues in the library so much. And I feel it it makes our work a lot richer because we um, communicate what we're doing and we ask each other for ideas and opinions. And so it's, it doesn't feel like I'm alone by any means. Ever wonder what repelling, a research symposium, and different types of moss have in common? I'm Tori Henson, Assistant Director of Admission and Transfer Admission Coordinator at Puget Sound, and you can go to pugetsound.edu stories to find out the answer. And I imagine that you teach quite a bit. Also, you have classes come into the archives to work with the materials or to learn about primary source research. Definitely. We, I think last semester, we had like 30 different classes come to visit us in the archives. So if a faculty member is doing a specific class, they think, oh, maybe the archives has something that right. could um, help make this topic come alive for, for our students. So last year, we designed a new session that looks at how the Vietnam War impacted Puget Sound. And so we worked with the History 200 class, which is the intro to the major in historiography. So that class came in and they get to look at different uh, primary source materials, so original documents from that time period on campus. And so students think a lot about what it would be like to be a student on campus in the late 1960s when, you know, the campus is um, immersed in the idea of being recruited to go fight in the war, being drafted. Uh, Faculty are taking opposite stands on whether they support the Vietnam War or whether they don't. Um, The ROTC program was on campus, Mm -hmm. so there's a bit of a military presence, which is totally different, you know, than today. So it's great. It makes a lot of our uh, educational sessions we do kind of make nationwide topics relevant for Puget Sound. Right. Puget Sound had students who were Japanese-American students who were incarcerated during World War II. So we do a whole session on um, that impact and how our campus remembers that that activity or that um, moment in time and how we memorialize it, how we write about it. So we have lots of classes that that come in and get to experience. Um, it's, It's a fun activity. It's fun for faculty members and their students to come in and have a hands-on activity that can make history a little more uh, tangible for some students. But individuals can come up to the archives too, right? If you're not a part of a class, but you want to do some research yourself or you're just curious about what's up there. Definitely. We have two students this summer who are doing independent research projects as part of the arts, humanities, and social sciences uh, research program. So these students have received stipends to do summer research, which is awesome. And we have two students who've been consistently coming into the archives to investigate uh, their research topics. So students are more than welcome to come in for long-term research projects Mm -hmm. like these two students are, but also say you have an individual paper. And um, we have a lot of rare books in the archives and special collections. So sometimes when students are looking up a book in the online library catalog, they'll see archives and they'll say, why is that book in the archives? And so they'll come and visit us and we'll talk about some of the reasons that book, you know, made it into our special section of the library. (laughs) And then, yeah, and then they get to, you know, investigate and read it for themselves. So there's lots of different ways that students, faculty, and staff can interact with the library and and the archives specifically. Do you have to make an appointment? 
So, no, you don't have to make an appointment. In the summer, we are appointment only because sure. um, you've got stuff to do and all those good things. Yeah. But yeah, during the school year, we. Um, Students are free to make an appointment, but we also have things called drop-in hours. So during our drop-in hours, we do them usually three to four days a week, and it's often like 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And during drop-in time, our front doors are open. The archives is located on the second floor of the library. So uh, we have our kind of front doors of our area open, and students can come on in, and there's always a staff member present, uh, either professional staff or student staff. And, yeah, you can ask any sort of library or archives question. I had someone come the other day and just asked me to help them get a book down from a really high shelf. I felt amazing and tall and wonderful (laughs) and helpful, (laughs) very helpful. So we're here for all sorts of (laughs) research needs. But, but yeah, people are more than welcome to come in. And even if someone has, like, a vague inkling of a research topic, we are there to help talk it out and and think of ideas and see if there's anything in the archives that can help. And— For folks who might be curious about the, what are like some of the greatest hits of the Puget Sound archives? What are some Mm -hmm. of the items that are up there that you think of as um, like, whoa, you can come in and see blank? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff. Um, I've talked a lot about university history, but we have plenty of other things. So some of our most exciting items are we have some medieval manuscript leaves. So these are illustrated um, documents so that are printed on vellum, so not like normal paper today. And they're beautiful. They have lasted the test of time. They're individual pages. So in the olden days, people used to break apart books because they are valuable, and we do not condone that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're individual pages from um, – some documents and a lot of them are in Latin. We have one in French, uh, but they're beautiful. And we have an early, um, an early medieval English literature class that comes in, sure, and views these items. And it's, it's totally different to read about it or to see a digitized book. You know, lots of these rare books are digitized through the British Library, but it's amazing the the opportunity to feel it and to experience right. you know physical object. So that's one of my favorites. Um, we also, in terms of a university history, we have some alternative student publications, which I'm really into. We have all of our standard university publications, mm-hmm. but we have managed to save over the years some alternative student publications that were very critical of the university or very yeah. critical of the trail, which is the student newspaper. Right. So some of them are zines, some of them are newsletters or mini newspapers. And it's just really interesting to see the things students were talking about. Yeah, and to, I imagine to track the zeitgeist through mm-hmm. some of that non-institutionalized material and writing. and Yeah, so we try and collect many perspectives. Sure. And that's it's really important for us to show a lot of aspects of history, not just, you know, the institutional version of a history. So we're always looking to collect student materials. So any student clubs or organizations, uh, we work with them to to collect any posters or meeting minutes or photographs that they create throughout their time at Puget Sound so that even student clubs and um, the important work that all of our students do is remembered for many years as well. And you're actually sort of anticipating a question I was going to ask, which is, does something have to be old to be in the archives? Definitely not. We have a really wonderful zine collection, which many of which were you know, created within the last three years. And for our zine collection, it was 
curated by our one of our humanities librarians, Katie Curtis. Mm-hmm. She won a set of about 100 zines from the American Library Association Conference. Cool. So there are zine librarians out there. They're super <laughs> hip and cool. And so, yeah, they gave away this set of zines. And so Katie... Um, took it on, and then she started buying more and more zines from the local area. The Pacific Northwest is an amazing area for zine creators. So we buy a lot of current zines, and uh, we also collect zines that our campus makes. So Campus Radio Station has a sure. zine. Wetlands has a zine. So we um, we love our zines. And, and they tell a lot about student perspectives, about um, alternative publishing, and kind of, you know, uh, the different ways that we circulate information to get real sure. library nerd on you, like the the <laughs> ways that people communicate um, and spread um, their stories. Yeah, so, and particularly in writing, I imagine it's interesting to see how even within one media that takes so many different shapes. Yes, and there within the zine collection, there's a lot of different types of zines. So we have a bunch of classes that come in to investigate the zines. Some classes even make their own zines that we then collect. So things do not have to be old to be worth saving. And we are always trying to think ahead of the ball and say, what are... What is our community going to be interested in right. in 20 years, 50 years? Like, what is going to be my mark on campus? And that was one thing when I was a student I thought a lot about when I was working in the archives. I thought, it's cool that we have these scrapbooks from the 1950s mm-hmm. or, you know, these these documents from long before I was here. But what's going to be here from my time, you yeah. know? And when I started as a student, there wasn't a full-time archivist. Our archives program is still pretty young. I'm only the second Uh, archivist that we've had in this role. Mm -hmm. So I thought a lot about, you know, how am I going to come back to campus and remember what life was like when I was at Puget Sound? So um, that's what we're trying to do at at the archives now is is preserve many different aspects of history and make sure that our students think critically about the legacy that they create, because a lot of our classes show that students have real power on campus. Mm -hmm. And it can be very inspirational to look back at prior generations and see the work that students did, the changes that happened, and be empowered to make new change. And that's what we're looking for from our students to think critically and um, make their mark. Because you are only the second person in this role, do you feel like that gives you an opportunity to shape the way that that cataloging happens and sort of the, for lack of a better word, personality of the archives at Puget Sound? Yes. Yes, I, so the first archivist, the first full-time professional archivist that worked at Puget Sound was hired my senior year. So Mm -hmm. I got to meet her when I was a student employee, and her name's Katie Henningsen, and we were really close, and she continues to be a mentor of mine. Mm -hmm. So when I was applying to grad school, she helped me every step of the way. She helped me look at programs. She helped read my resume, my letters um, of interest, and so she played a really big role in in kind of my professional development. But that being said, yes, uh, as I've come in, I've kind of created my own priorities and, and just building off of the work that she started. So coming into Puget Sound, student life and student perspective and university history has been a huge priority for me. Um, Katie is a big rare books um, librarian mm-hmm. and historian, so that was more her slant. And university records are definitely more mine. So... When I look at designing new uh, workshops or sessions, when I collaborate with the liaison librarians, my first thought is always university history Mm -hmm. and what 
aspects of our past can we investigate and think critically about to help our students um, grow and learn? So that's something. And yeah, generally speaking, I think archives and libraries as a whole are trying to think critically about the way that we do things, the way that we describe materials, the way that we make sure mm. items are accessible. And right. um, so so we're always looking, um, looking forward and, and trying to think about new ways to do things. And I'm on my way to a conference this next weekend, the Society of American Archivists. So that's a great thing about Puget Sound is it's really continuing to support me, the other librarians and staff members in professional development. So they send us off to conferences where we can learn new um, new things, new tools and trends that are in libraries, archives, and education, and then come back to Puget Sound and apply them. Which is uh, in many ways kind of reflective of what students do also, right? You're learning something new. You put it to work for a little while. You see what works. You see what doesn't. You bounce it off a peer or a mentor, uh, and then you try it again. Yeah, I love reflecting on my time as a student Mm -hmm. Puget Sound because a lot of things clicked after the fact. Uh, So when I was a student, I was an English major, and my emphasis was uh, writing rhetoric, uh, writing culture and rhetoric, which isn't uh, an emphasis anymore. It's been, I think, assimilated into other Mm -hmm. programs is my impression. Yeah. Yeah. So I was an English major. My minors were SOAN, Mm -hmm. so I was big into anthropology and religious studies. So... And so those all seemed a little disparate at the time, but looking back on the path that I took, I'm like, yeah, it totally makes sense. I'm looking at traditions, at cultural sure. norms, at the way we communicate with each other. And I was a member of Gamma Phi Beta, the sorority on campus. Mm-hmm. And during my time in G Phi, I was the ritual chair for multiple years. And culture yeah, practice. Yeah. Exactly. Looking back at traditions, um, you know, finding connection with previous generations. So, yeah, it's really funny to look back at the different things that I spent my time with on at Puget Sound and see how they all connected and led me to the place I am today. <laughs> Not to get mushy about it or anything, but... <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Adriana, we're concluding all of our conversations with the same four questions. Right. Question number one is, in your opinion, what's the best place on campus? Well, obviously, I have to say the library. You I do have say- <laughs> to say the library. <laughs> I love the library. And I one of my favorite things about the library is that it has so many different types of study spaces mm-hmm. for different types of learners. And for me, I am a comfy chair reader. So up on the <laughs> second floor of the library, around the edges of all the bookcases, there are huge comfy chairs. Some of them have those little, like— mini um, desk Yeah, it's attached to the arm, and you Mm -hmm. can sort of swing it over and have a flat surface. Exactly. So you can be comfy. You can have your laptop or your book or whatever um, and just chill out and do some reading in between class, which luckily I don't have to take classes anymore. But uh, (laughs) it's still, yeah, obviously my favorite place on campus. What are you reading right now? I am reading... I brought my notes so I'd remember the title. So I am reading The Sisters of the Winterwood by Rena Rossner. And this is actually a book from the library, of course. <laughs> and it's part of our popular reading collection. So the library has a little uh, collection called Popular Reading. And it's on the first floor near all the computers. And it has a rotating set of books. And they're terrific, by the way. They're always very current and they're very interesting. Yes, there's biographies. There's fiction. Uh, and everything in between. So this book is a little fantasy, a little fairy tale-esque, and it's the story of two sisters. So I'm pretty into it. What's the best place to eat in Tacoma? 
I have to say, so I live in Seattle now and I do the commute. So I'm not on I'm not in Tacoma in the on the weekends very much anymore, but my favorite lunch place is Rosewood Cafe because it's not very far from campus. They have really yummy sandwiches and salads, and it's a great place to go on a little lunch date with your friends or your colleagues. And it's an easy walk. It is. It's a very easy walk from campus. Lastly, what makes Puget Sound special? I think the thing that makes Puget Sound special are the people. Um, I was thinking a lot about about what, you know, my favorite aspects of campus are and the thing that brought me back. And mm. time and time again, it's the the people. There's so many talented people that are just attracted to Puget Sound. And not only are people talented, but they're really caring. Mm. Like I said, when I did my interview, I had past faculty members come to my on-campus interview. I had people send me notes and people that I wasn't even friends with when I was on campus that were staff members currently wrote me all these um, suggestions and tips and pieces of advice for interviewing. And it really spoke to the care that the community has for one another and the support that everyone um, gives to one another. It's it's really special. And, you know, beyond that, everyone's so talented and <laughs> just it's a great energy. And I get a lot from from the people that I work with and, and the students that surround me every day. So I think that's what makes Puget sound special. Adriana Flores, thanks for joining me for the Puget Sound podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Thank you to our guest and to you, the listener. You can follow Puget Sound on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. And we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of P.S., the Puget Sound podcast.